This episode mentions sexual assault, so please take care when listening. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. A couple of years ago, people with tattoos started speaking out about the abuse they face from tattoo artists, including sexual assault. The movement's called Tattoo Me Too, and it's mostly led by women and queer folks. I'm with Susie Humphrey, who opened the Lawrenceville Tattoo Shop Sanctuary during this time, so Pittsburgh could have a space where everyone feels safe getting inked. It's Monday, November 28th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So Susie, how did you get into tattooing? Well, a kind of a long story. Um, I actually grew up uh, Mormon. Um, so tattoos were very taboo for me in, in the culture that I grew up in. Um, but my dad did have a friend who was elderly who we kind of looked up to as a grandfather since all of our grandfathers had already passed. And he had a tattoo on his forearm, which was very taboo. It was like really the first tattoo I'd ever seen. And it said like Hawaii, um, 1943 with some cross palm trees. And it had really stood out to me that it kind of put a place and a time of where he was in his life when he got that. Um, obviously mm. he got that when he was in Hawaii, um, and during World War II, um, in the, in the height of that. Um, and so it really stood out to me as like a memory and of a place and a time of like a postcard of his life on his forearm. Um, and that started my obsession, um, with tattoos. And when mm-hmm. I, uh, left the Mormon church after my mother died, I, obviously wanted, already wanted a tattoo. So I started hanging around in tattoo shops, making friends with a lot of um, people that were heavily tattooed. I started kind of hanging out in kind of an art community um, in Tucson and in Phoenix. Um, Yeah. And you eventually moved to Pittsburgh and opened your own studio here. I know you opened it with the goal of providing a space for women and queer people you know, because that's important to you. And there are a lot of spaces that aren't safe for women and queer people and tattoo shops. They can fall under that category. For sure. Um, I think, you know, if, if you really think about the roots of tattooing, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of started in the 19th century, um, right in the like Victorian era where people started traveling. There was a lot of more culture of moving, especially to like Asian countries where really tattooing is prevalent. Um, I would say like, especially in Japanese culture, um, they've been, you know, the underground Akuza has been doing tattoos for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And then with sailors going to that area, they started bringing it back to, you know, the United Kingdom, United States, but it was basically military sailors, kind of a rough underground, you know, mentioning back the Yakuza, it was definitely had an idea that it was crime based. If you were, mm. you know, you weren't on this, the society's main co- course, if you were of a, tattoo, a heavily tattooed person, not saying that people didn't get tattooed, but those were the people that were doing most of the tattooing were, you know, working in sailor um, and, you know, biker shops and that kind of led basically into the 80s and 90s. Right. I was going to say, it still had those connotations. Um, right. Even up until like the aughts, the, you know, the early Honestly, 2000s. And, yeah. You know, I think about myself, I've been basically getting ta- heavily tattooed, I would say, since 2009 is when mm-hmm. I really went into, you know, wanting more than just a few tattoos. Um, and I remember, you know, even in, you know, 2011, I had 
my, I lived in a gated community and people wouldn't, would shut the door on me. They wouldn't let me in because they felt like I didn't deserve to live there. Or if I went to the mall, I got followed around because I was heavily tattooed and they thought I was going to steal something. I mean, Mm. that's still prevalent here. Um, I still get that reaction sometimes when I go up to like Ross Park Mall or something like that, where people are following me around. I'm not a criminal. And Mm -hmm. I think that even today, that perception is still there. There, there have been, you know, the reckonings against sexual assault in the tattoo industry before the whole um, Me Too tattoo movement in 2020. What do you think it is about tattooing as an industry that kind of can allow this sort of thing to happen? Well, I think ultimately it's a male-dominated industry. And Mm -hmm. I think when you have a male-dominated industry, those minorities and women don't feel safe a lot of times in those spaces because Mm -hmm. of not being understanding of what people's clients are in need of. I feel, you know, coming back to feeling vulnerable in those spaces, I think a lot of what that is is the power that a tattoo artist has over a client of not being able to say no or feeling like um, kind of a rock star mentality with a tattooer being like, I can't say no because I don't like this drawing. I don't like Mm. the way this person's touching me. I feel like I can't say no. There's also no accountability in tattooing. There's no, you know, OSHA regulations in the, you know, Mm. in in the state of Pennsylvania. There's no kind of regulations on that. So that also perceives where anybody can kind of step into that. Are there are there anywhere else? There are. Um, New York is actually one of the um, most regulated states for tattooing. I think about how much regulation is on that state versus there's no regulations in the state of Pennsylvania, really. I, what does that mean? Like if I had like an, uh, an issue with my tattoo or the artist... All you can basically do is, you know, leave a a Yelp review. But if you've been, you know, assaulted by an artist, you're not going to want to put your name out for the world to see. And also, we already know the um, the statistics of people actually getting prosecuted for assault. Um, So I feel like women in general aren't going to step forward, especially when you have this person who is basically famous in a community. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want to step forward um, unless there's multiple people. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. And you're right, you are in a very vulnerable position when you're getting a tattoo and there's a level of trust that you have to have with that artist. Have you heard from people who have gotten a tattoo, I don't know, from an artist that maybe later on they found out was kind of part in perpetuating this toxic culture? 
Oh, for sure. I, I definitely have a lot of clients telling me situations that they've been in. And I particularly myself have been in the situation before tattooing and after. I've had mm. instances where I didn't feel comfortable um, leaving, or I should say I felt like I should have walked out in that middle of that tattoo, but I didn't because I didn't either way know how to say no, or I, you know, felt like the artist knew better than I did, or when it came to, you know, more of an assault, who I felt like no one would believe me if I came mm. forward, which I feel like is what a lot of women or, you know, trans people feel when they're in a situation and they, they just can't say out loud what happened to them. And when you're in that situation or when you were in that situation, was it an artist that you knew and trusted? Yes. Yeah. It was. Okay. Yeah, because I was thinking like, you know, sometimes I it, I guess if you didn't know, you know, if you just kind of pop into a shop, that's how I've gotten a, you know, a couple of my tattoos, just kind of like popping in on a whim and maybe not knowing that person, but having that level of trust and then it being broken. Yeah. And I think it can happen in, in multiple occasions, too. Like, there's mm. there's different ways of feeling uncomfortable with an artist. You know, there's obviously, um, like, a sexual assault side of that. Um, but there's also, you know, not being able to say no on a drawing or the placement. Or, you know, you asking your tattooer to move the, the stencil and they, they're hesitant or give you attitude or things like that. Mm. That's mm -hmm. also, you know, not great for people if you're not able to voice your opinion or know when to step away. What, what did you do about, you know, the tattoos that you maybe got from people that you, now you kind of know the veil is off and now you kind of know you know at least what type of people that they are do you cover them how do you feel yes. about it uh, yeah I've, I've definitely covered um a couple of them especially i, I do have a sexual assault re relating to a tattoo um and i definitely have covered that mm -hmm. now there is a another tattoo that I have that I got from an artist that I did know. Um, I had been following him on Instagram for a few years. He would frequently guest spot a shop that I worked at. And I ended up getting a pretty good tattoo on my leg. It's an amazing tattoo. It's well done. And he was totally fine through our conversation. You know, in person, he was fine. I ended up adding him on Facebook. And that's when it went downhill. He was incredibly racist. He was mm. posting all sorts of very far-right kind of ideals. Um, mm. And this was about 10 years ago. So it was very towards like the Middle East and towards anybody of color. He was transphobic. And honestly, I wanted to just like scrape the tattoo off my leg. Yeah. And I haven't covered it. Unfortunately, it's still there. And every single time I look down at my leg, I see that tattoo and I know the person that did it. Regardless that it is an amazing, beautiful tattoo that I probably could have win awards with. But the fact that it's the person that did that tattoo is what really you you remember that forever. Do you plan on covering it up? Yes. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. So on the opposite side of that, what do you and other artists do at Sanctuary, which is your shop, to make people who might be wary of tattoo shops for those those exact reasons, those stories that you're telling, feel more comfortable? One thing that I'm really trying to do that I haven't always done in the past is having a consultation with someone. I prefer that in person versus, um, you know, doing like a FaceTime consultation, but I'll do that as well. Um, I think one that allows you and my uh, or myself and my client to have a better relationship if they come into the space and feel the space. And, you know, we have um, 
pride and and trans flags in our in our shop right in the front when you walk in. Um, and I feel like once you come into the space, you realize that it's a warm, safe inviting environment, which I think Mm -hmm. brings down a little bit of that stress. Um, And then having a conversation and kind of having an idea of what the process will be when it comes to getting tattooed. And then when the actual appointment, um, even before we, you know, print anything out, I I show drawing, um, we make sure that the client likes the drawing. I always offer, you know, for them to take a picture and send to a partner or if they want to bring a partner. And then during the process, I constantly try to ask if this person's okay. How are they Mm -hmm. feeling? Are they comfortable? Are they okay? Um, When I go to touch them, I always say, hey, I'm going to start now, or I'm going to clean your arm off, or I try without just touching that person. um, So a lot of consent. Yes, definitely, definitely lots of consent. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing that I do that I feel like tends to feel more like a medical procedure is never touching their skin with my bare hands, always having gloves on, always trying to be very, very professional. Um, I do have a background of hospitality. I worked in um, hotels for quite a few years, so I do Mm -hmm. feel like some of that comes from the hospitality um, side of myself. Um, And I've kind of relayed that on to um, the other artists that I have here at the studio. So Ashley is my apprentice who, who has graduated. Um, So she has basically learned from me. So all of her behavior is mirrored behavior of my own. Um, And I also have a a current uh, apprentice as well. He's the same way. Like I am teaching him the way that I um, treat my clients and how I react to to certain situations. Yeah. What would you say to, um, you know, a queer person uh, or a woman, a person of color who might be a little hesitant in getting a tattoo for the first time again, because of their experience with the tattoo industry. For sure. Ask for a consultation. I think that's huge. And if an artist is not willing to give a consultation, it's probably not the artist for you. Um, if they complain about um, the quality of your skin or say that this is not going to be able to be done on, especially for someone who is of color, um, I think, mm. you know, there's a lot of racism in the tattoo industry, even from artists of color. Um, if you've ever watched Ink Master, I feel like everybody always complains about darker skin. Um, and I think if you're a, a solid artist and you know how to handle certain situations, um, especially, you know, maybe not being able to do full color on someone that is color of color um, uh-huh. and having that conversation and having that communication, I think we will leave a little bit of that pressure to somebody who might not understand the industry or what can be done. And I think that relieves a little bit of that stress. Um, but yeah, always ask for a consultation. And I think if your artist won't give you that, then like I said, probably not the artist for you. Susie Humphrey is a non-binary tattoo artist and owner of Sanctuary Tattoo Studio and Vintage Shop. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susie. Thank you. This episode is part of an occasional series on making the Pittsburgh tattoo scene more inclusive. And a reminder, if you've got a Pittsburgh-themed tattoo or just a great idea for one, you know, maybe a bus emerging from a sinkhole, we want to hear about it. Send us an email. Our address is pittsburgh at citycast.fm. A little more news before you go. The Fern Hollow Bridge is on track to open before the end of the year. I can't believe that is so soon. PennDOT officials say they've completed about 90% of the work to repair the bridge, which collapsed into Frick Park back in January. I am sure you remember that. The bridge will still need some work in the new year. So for now, only two lanes will be open instead of four. 
And a new year-round homeless shelter finally opened downtown after several delays. Second Avenue Commons has 95 beds, plus an overflow shelter for the winter, along with dozens of dorm-style rooms where people can stay longer term. Unlike at some of the other shelters, couples can stay together here and people can bring their pets. UPMC is also launching a medical clinic at the site. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, subscribe to our morning newsletter, and you can do that from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to take your chances on one of our bridges. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, so we'll see you then. Wow, you just took me back, Susie, with the paper dolls. I used to do that same thing. And I actually had a little mouse. It was a little mouse, and I, her name was Susie. That's what I named oh, her. So and um, yeah, I would make like little outfits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you just brought me back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Definitely. You grew up in the 90s if you had paper dolls. <laughs>